What is God's reign like? All two real examples confront us in the readings today. In the Old Testament, we're not too far removed from chapters 14, where the Israelites were delivered through the Red Sea. Amazing miracle. Waters to the left of them, waters to the right. They go through dry ground. And then Moses sings, and then they're in a wilderness, and there's no water. They grumble against God. All of a sudden, the God who delivered has become the God who's abandoned, the bad guy. Does he even care, is the refrain that goes on. Is he here or not? In the parable... What's the reign of God like? Well, laborers are hired. We can kind of, you know, think about Lowe's and Home Depot in the morning hours, if you ever go there, right? And the pickup trucks and get on in. Let's go work. Day workers, right? Day wages. Laborers are hired. The first, let's say they roughly get 120 bucks for a day. I'm not going to get into debates about minimum wage here, Okay. And plus, I can't do math well. So 12 hours and 120, that works for me. Okay. Those are these later ones. None of them get told a denarius or anything. They just say, whatever's right. Whatever's right. They say, okay, let's do this. Workers, you know, while they go out in the field, do you think the people who said whatever's right maybe talk to the guys who got hired first? It's silent in the text, and I know I'm a little bit in left field here, but, I mean, do they not just say, hey, what's he paying you, right? And if you think, they probably do the math, and I know I'm a field from Scripture, bear with me though, okay. If they know that the first are getting 120 bucks, they can do math, and they say, okay, I'll likely probably get 100 bucks if I was hired at that hour, 70 bucks, 40 bucks, 10 bucks. 10 bucks an hour is what he's paying. Okay, I got it. And usually, if you've ever been in a workplace, most of you have, you know that sharing your wage usually is not a good thing to do. It makes people mad. You start to realize, they're getting paid that much. I do more than them around here. Or you just say, thanks for the pay and the job. Either way, back to the actual text here, what we do have is that at the very end, the master does make payment, and here's your denarius. Here's your 120 bucks, you who only worked one hour. And then others can really start doing the math, right? Okay, well, I'll probably get 480 bucks. I'll probably get 840. I'm going to get $1,440. That's what I deserve but a denarius goes out for each. And to this day, as we hear this story, we say, that's not fair. Those hired first aren't happy. They get mad. And we know what that's like. We know when people have shared their wage in the office or they got a bonus or an attaboy for this or that, where we say, well, where's my attaboy? Where's my raise? Why don't I get more than them? That schmuck over there, right? So we grumble, 
grumbling again. I'm starting to sense a theme in this reign of God. Grumbling. Has God given up on us? Is he not with us? Is he not good? Oh, all of a sudden, all this talk about wage and employment stuff, it gets a little bigger than that. The grumblings that we have as humans, as man and woman before God. Where is he? It's not fair. God's not fair. Look around this whole game of life that we're playing. It's not fair. This grumbling seems to be the chief characteristic in what we know of God's reign. Does God hear that grumbling? Has he given up on you as the grumblings go out? Where is he? Where is he? Is he lost? You must find him. Is he not fair or good when you look around? Hmm. Well, where are we looking? Hmm. He gave water from the rock. Who was on top of that rock, by the way? Right? What does Paul tell us, right? He gave water from the rock and the old. He gives wine from water. We just heard about that recently, two weeks ago, right? Wedding at Cana. He gives bread in the wilderness, manna from heaven, food, right? And we said, God, you've given up on us. You're not fair. Why don't you suck on some gall and vinegar? Okay. God, who is just, who is perfect and holy and righteous, he poured out his just wrath upon his son, his innocent son over our sins, on his innocent, righteous, spotless son. God, you're not fair. Okay. The Son of God suffered for our sins, thirsted, bled, died for each and every one of us to be welcomed into his reign. Come on in. You're mine. I've done it all for you. Come. Don't be slaves. No. Be my people. Pass through these waters, freed from bondage to sin, death, and the devil. Come, eat, drink. I'll give you true food, true drink. Well up to eternal life. Faith. Oh, trust in me. Look to me. And the body and blood that I give you in the sacrament. Oh. Does the grumbling go on? I suppose. But by God's grace... When we start looking in the right place, I mean, if we are going to grumble, let's go to the cross. Let's go to Calvary. Let's look at the crucified king and grumble there and then say, hmm, maybe God actually, you know, hasn't given up on us. That he's willing to undergo what isn't fair. For we who cry out for what's fair, not ever realizing, do you really know what you're asking for? Do you want punishment for your sins? Do you? 
Do you want to atone for them? Do you want to pile up your works to heaven and see if that's enough? Hmm. You see, by God's grace, we pass through the word and the water and we are God's baptized children. We're in his reign. It's a good place to be. Perhaps we're in a wilderness, though. Thirsty. Perhaps we're running the race and the muscles are kind of tight. I've never really ran that long of a race. I'd give up probably after about 100 yards. But, you know, I could imagine things that muscles get tight and sore and the breathing becomes a little labored. And the only thing on your mind is probably quitting. But there's an imperishable wreath ahead. In the vineyard working, slaving away it seems, right? But yet, you're in the vineyard. And you know the tasting room is coming. God's gifts are enough. You know, when you think about it, it's the folks who are nearly dry, I mean, tongues so parched, that a mere drop of water satisfies. You've maybe even been in those hospitals where it's just a tiny little sponge on the end of a straw, just brushing the lips of a loved one. And that's enough. Thank you. Thank you because you're so thirsty. Or you're hired at the 11th hour. It's those people who are most happy with the master who said, a denarius, are you kidding me? And they don't walk away and say, oh, excuse me, can I talk to accounting? I think there was a mistake, right? They take that envelope and they run, right? They say, woohoo, 120, right? Man, it's the magic mile at the end of the race, right? You get that boost, you know the finish line is coming. Or when you're about to head home, right, in the car. Hmm. You see, we must be and we must see ourselves as the undeserving 11th hour worker. Not as the one who has suffered so much. There's only one who's done that. So in summary then, or maybe looking forward, what is God's reign like? Oh, there is a stern warning in the parable today. God does not tolerate those who despise his generosity. Do you think you deserve more because of your works? Okay, go ahead. Let Moses save you then. Let him be your savior, and he will not. The law has no power to save. Would you rather not have Jesus be named your savior? You see, it's sad that we'd rather turn on one another, mope and grumble, than have a kingdom that's so free and gracious that says, come one, come all. You're all my children. I've died for you all. Mm, I don't know about that. I think I'm better than those people. Or I think God's given me, you know, a bad deal. That he's not there for me. Are you kidding me? He's the only God who's taken on flesh. He's the only true God ever, period. Yes. But what does he do? He turns and he looks at those who would say, you know what, I deserve more because of my works. I'll have the law save me. I'll do it my way, old blue eyes, right? And I will go ahead and I will mope and I will grumble and I will be mad at God. And God says, 
Take what's yours and go. Go. If you'd like to leave the kingdom, if you'd like to leave the vineyard, if you'd like to leave my reign, if you'd like to continue grumbling about who I am and what I have done for you, have what is yours. Go. And it's a hard warning, isn't it? Because we do know where they go. But if you're in the kingdom, you know, and you should know, where else are you going to go? What's better than the vineyard? What's better than this master? Who is better than this master? God's reign is and his reign will be the best. Who's a better master after all? Yourself? Your own reason? What you've come up with? Some philosopher? Some podcast maybe? The devil? Better than God? Better than him as your master? More gracious and loving and merciful than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No. No. What a trick of the devil. An evil trick. Instead, look at yourself again and be thrilled that your debts are canceled. And that you have no worries. That even though your mouth seems to be running dry, oh, Christ has water for you. And even though you're running the race and it's hard at times, you know the destination. It's absolutely certain. Your thirst will be quenched by Christ. The race knows its end. The work in the vineyard is good because it's on to the tasting room. Where all of that labor of picking those grapes and stomping them and doing all of that, oh, taste and see. It's good stuff. And we have that foretaste of that wonderful day in the supper today. Where we have the welcome of our God and where we feast with our God. And he forgives our sins. He releases us from this bondage. Oh, and thirst is quenched, isn't it? So, as we go through our earthly lives, let us have eyes to the cross of Christ. See, your God is who he is, so gracious and so merciful, so abounding in steadfast love. And then as you look to other people or what's going on in this world, don't begrudge God's generosity. If he's given other people some more, so be it. We all got a denarius in the end. It's a good one. It's Jesus. Amen.